Hello and welcome to SMPD, the podcast where we look back on the shows that shaped our childhood. I am Chris Bolton. With me, as always, my partner in podcasting, Mr. Mark Williams. Hello. And we are finally, finally out of cat month. Well, you say that. <laughs> well, yeah, kind of. Um, <laughs> I, I, guess, I guess we've got a soft transition <laughs> from cat month into Christmas month. Yeah, um, almost it, seamless. Almost seamless. We, you know, we have our Christmas theme as we always do. It's, it's a little bit more uh, tenuous than than usual. The, the link between all of these things, but we've decided this year to kind of go for a, a good old fashioned Griswold family Christmas. Um, so we're going. You know, it's been a long time since any of us have managed to have anything resembling a normal Christmas. I think so. We've decided to go old school with this old school Christmas stuff for the next month. And, you know, one of the first things we thought of when we thought of this show then was BBC's Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, in which Christmas, you know, sort of features. Yeah. It's not it's not maybe thought of as a, as a Christmas thing, but well, I don't know. I do. I think of Narnia as a Christmas thing. Anyway, before we'll we, before we dive in, uh, we do actually just have a little bit of feedback from our James the Cat episode that, you know, you know, we like to share feedback with you all listeners. So we do have a bit of feedback. Um, so thanks to James the Cat fan for, <laughs> for writing in. <laughs> on the yeah. web page yeah now this this was quite nice to see um and so we as as you said we, we do always ask for feedback so it's nice to get um i wasn't entirely sure when we got it when i read it first time whether it was somebody taking the piss or not um i but don't think so i, 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 I don't think I, so I, I think it i think it's genuine and if it's not i'll take it in good humor anyway because fuck it why not it's nearly christmas um but yeah so uh, james the cat fanboy wrote uh, my god what a brilliant podcast this was my second most favorite show of all time has finally been talked about my most favorite being flower stories from 1975 that's another another show that uh, predates james but actually has james the cat in it would very highly give it a watch uh, when you can and also talk about it when you can as well again cheers for talking about the characters and now i'll wait for james season three with a smile on my face james the cat fanboy uh, so yeah, I mean, thanks for writing in. You know, we always ask you guys to to get in touch with us and let us know your thoughts. And there was something really nice about hearing that we weren't the only people that had this connection <laughs> to James the Cat. <laughs> really, um, it, it it always it always surprises me which shows connect yeah. with people. You know, like like some of the big hitters that that you know when I say big hitters, totally different kind of shows, of course. But you know, when we're looking at your at your Thundercats and your He Man's and even on the on the softer side of things like James the Cat, when we're looking at your button moons, maybe, and and things like that, and moomins and that sort of thing, they just tend to fly over people's heads. And then these these special random little shows that we remember <laughs> really connect with people. And so it's always lovely yeah. to hear that everybody else out there is feeling that as well. And, I, and I'm really pleased, actually, that he mentioned Flower Stories because I had completely forgotten that Flower Stories existed until I read that email. And then I was like... Yes, of course. I actually remember it in in some cases being interchangeable with James the Cat on a lunchtime in in children's lunchtime programming. Sometimes you'd get James the Cat. Sometimes you get flower stories. Um, obviously, you know James the Cat did come later, but occasionally they just they swap the two out because the shows were so thematically similar. So, yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned flower stories to us, and we'll pop it on our list and definitely at some point in the future swing back around and revisit flower stories that's definitely one we'll do because i do remember it and i do remember it quite fondly uh once it was brought up it was buried deep deep mm. in the recesses of my brain so i'm glad that was brought up um but yeah thank, thanks for writing in um all of that being said we do have a show to get on with so we'll <laughs> leave cat month and we'll leave james the cat in the past and we'll look forward to, to the future to christmas 
and kick off the season by looking back at BBC's The Lion, The Witch and The Wardrobe. Yeah, now when this one came up, I was a bit... I was a bit dubious because I remember watching this when it was first on. Um, this was broadcast this season, Lion of Chernobyl was season one, and it was broadcast in 1988. I think it was like a Sunday night, like primetime show. I think oh, it was. See, I thought it was on like a Thursday or something like that because no, I can was... remember watching it at my nan's, which at, which at this time of year would have been because I was going there after school because my mum was working. So I wouldn't swear by it, but I was pretty sure it was a weeknight. No, I, 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 have a, I, I, I thought it was a weekend because we used to play football on a weekend and it was like it would, we'd come in from football at like two o'clock on a, on a Sunday afternoon. So by the time we'd, you know, we'd, we'd you know, me and my brother both had showers and, you know, we, and we'd, we'd had dinner and all the rest of it. This would be coming on about half past four was my recollection of it. But in, either way, I mean, it was one of those that I remember, I remember watching the first time around and I've never gone back to it. I think when the when the films came out, I think it was about 2010 or something like that, wasn't it? We had the um, we had the Blind the Witch and Robert yep. Wardrobe came out. Um, I I watched that. I I I quite liked that. I thought no, that was a that was a very good um, take on it. I'd read all the books many times as a child. I haven't read them for a good number of years now, but um, number one has read them recently. Um, and yeah, coming back to this, I was thinking, is this going to be one of those? Is this going to be another one of those where? I remember it. I remember really liking it. I you know it, it. It has a play, even though I don't remember masses about it because I would have been about five or six, something like that. Um, it's going to be one of those I remember so fondly, and actually I'm now about to take a massive dump on it. Um, so I was a little bit nervous. Yeah, um, me too. For for similar reasons, um, it's it's interesting that already we have different recollections of this because I definitely have suffered the Mandela effect with this show. Um, and we'll talk about that as we go through, no doubt. But there are definitely things that I have misremembered about this show and about just kind of the culture around this show at the time. There are there definitely things that I, I kind of remembered, but I've definitely remembered them wrong. Right. Um, now, one of them might be the time slot. I am almost certain it was a regular CBBC afternoon fixture. For some reason, I think it was a Thursday. I don't know why I've got that in my head. Um, yeah, but I'm I, sure. I, mean, I we, could be wrong because we, we can say, Google the Mandela it, I mean, effect has, has been a thing here. Yeah, I mean, so, we'll, we'll we can Google it. I mean, it's I don't think it's that uh, that important anyway. No, it's think, it's um, really not. It's just it's it's interesting that that's a thing already that we've got a different <laughs> recollection of of that. You know. Yeah. Um, um, I can't see it. I, I can't see. Oh, hang on. There are air dates. Hang on. So, so the original air date was the 13th of November 1988. So we, uh, so we'll, we can, uh, we can work it out from that. But I, I, I thought this was. I didn't think this was a, a CBBC show. I thought this was like an actual full-on BBC. No, I'm drama. pretty, I'm pretty sure. I'd like, hold on, like, like inquiring minds need to know this now. <laughs> so we'll get to the bottom of this right now. This yeah. is 13th um, of November. 13th of November 1988. Let's see. Um, but yeah, I mean, regardless, I mean, I, I'm, I'm the same. I have specific memories of particular bits of it um yeah. and i think i talked to you last week about it there's a bit towards the the end of or towards the beginning of the final episode where the mice turn up and they start gnawing through the ropes and i can remember that visual very clearly even now fucking now 30 plus years later um so i mean it's it's one of it's one of the, there are definite things that i remember um and and yeah it's, it's it was one of those i was really not because of what I th what the potential was i wasn't looking forward to watching it that said, I did pick it up um, we, when we were, when we talked about doing it. Um, I found it on Amazon and I could buy this season for seven ninety nine, or I could buy the whole fucking lot for eight ninety nine. So guess which okay. I did. Yeah. Um, you will be pleased to know, Mark, that the 13th of November 1988 was a Sunday. Well, there you go. 
So there you go. I'm wrong. You're right. Well, there, so, there were two. There were two options. It was either we came in from playing football or we came in from football training. So it was yeah. one or the other. Yeah. Um, so, so it would have worked either way. But um, so it was yeah. a Sunday. So I still would have been at my nan's, but for a different reason. I would have been there because I was getting a free lunch, basically. Fucking um, Yeah. <laughs> but but I I I sort of associate it as I say with with this time of year, and part of that was was going there after school. So I thought it was one of those shows. But anyway, that that's just one of the kind of instances of the Mandela effect with this then. Um, so yeah, as you say, it's, it's very, very cheap on DVD now. Um, it's also freely available on the internet if you need it, but as always listeners, we do encourage you to pay for your content. Um, and, and you've, you've sort of mentioned that, that you had a love for it. And so you're a bit scared going back. And I was the same this for me. Um, I was, I was seven when this came out then. And I, and I remember the original showing of it very, very well. I remember being on Christmas, as I say, and then I, Maybe it was getting repeated on Thursdays or maybe, maybe. the other shows on Thursdays. I don't know. But I remember I, I sort of made the link in my brain between this and Christmas. And it just captured my imagination as a child because mm. we hadn't seen, certainly in this country, we just hadn't seen anything like this. Or I hadn't as an no. eight-year-old child. This was this might as well have been Star Wars. Well, this like, is the thing. And like I, so... I I had this conversation with Tori earlier is that I, I remember this and it was for me, it was like I'd no, I'd watched I'd grown up watching TV and I say by this point I'm like five or six or something like that. And so I'm, you know, I'm used to watching shit on TV, but I've never, I'd never really followed a narrative arc before. Mm-hmm. I'd never actually sat down and gone, because you could put Thundercats on, you could put Transformers on or, or He-Man or whatever. And they're episodic. So it doesn't really matter if you miss one. And this, I think was probably the first time I, we actually, and we, we used to sit down and watch it as a family. It was you know, one of those rare ones where for for whatever random reason, there'd been six weeks where my dad wasn't working fucking shifts on a Sunday night. Um, and in the run to crazy, and he must have been fucking mad. He'd gone double bubble for that as well. But um, so, but we used to sit down and so we we'd we'd come in from football. We'd have our Sunday lunch a bit late. We'd have it like three o'clock. Whereas no, if, when we weren't playing football, we'd have it like one o'clock. So we'd we'd come in, have lunch, and then it would no, we we put the you know we'd put it on and we'd we'd all sit down to watch it together. And I, my my dad had read it as you know, when he was younger. Excuse me. Um, I said you know, my 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 brother my brother had the books. He had the set of books which he'd been given for his birthday, um, and hadn't read. And I hadn't read them. I was too young. Excuse me. Sorry, very gas um, And so it was one of those that actually it was everybody had an interest. And like for me, there was a fucking talking lion in it, which I'd seen in the advert. So I was like, "There's a talking lion in that. I want to see that." Um, yeah. And then we'll, we'll come on to the uh, we'll come on to the effects and stuff um, a bit later on. Um, it, it was it was the effects that that hooked me though. That was the thing. Like it was a family thing for you, but it was when I say I'd never seen anything like it. It was the effects. Like the closest thing we had. In this country, I think anyway, was probably Doctor Who, which you know my opinion on Doctor Who is is well known across this network now. <laughs> um, but but in these days, especially Doctor Who was was really cardboard sets and and yeah. wobbly makeup and things. So you know that that was the closest. But this even looked better than that to my eight year old mind anyway, in terms of budget and everything. Yeah. So it just it didn't look like like anything else. And you know you you've mentioned the books there as well. And this this was my first exposure to Narnia. I read a hell of a lot as, as a child. As again as we've covered a lot on the show, particularly comic books, more than books, if I'm honest. But I did read a hell of a lot. Um, and off the back of watching this, I then went out and read the Narnia books. Mm. I now have a collected, massive collected edition of them on the bookshelf behind me. It's too low down for anybody to see on camera, unfortunately. Um, and I've I've carried that through life. You know, mm. this isn't a this isn't a franchise that I'm a super fan of or anything like that. But it's a franchise that I have loved for mm. uh, to the point where 
yeah, as as you mentioned, you did. I went out and watched the the Hollywood adaptations. I was there opening night when Lion, Witch and the Wardrobe came out, um, as I was with Prince Caspian as well. You know, I, I know these stories very well. Um, and, I, and I've carried that through and it's come from this. this. This is where it started. But I have never, ever watched it since since those days, since yeah. I was a child. I have never, ever gone back to it. Yeah. So this was the first time. And yeah, I was I was scared. I'll be honest. I was a little bit scared because we've rewatched a lot of stuff for the first time on this show and gone back and thought, what the fuck is this? Yeah. And I really didn't want that to happen. No, I was just one thing I hadn't realized, uh, which is when he found out this evening while I've been uh, doing the massive amount of research I always do, which means it involves opening the wiki page about two minutes before we we, uh, we, we start the call. Um, this is actually the third adaptation of it. Yeah, I didn't know that at all. This, as I say, this was the first the first version of it I ever saw. So yeah. the ones prior then, presumably TV adaptations again, or film adaptations, yes. animated? TV what? adaptations. One was animated, one wasn't. Um, one was in the 50s, I think. Um, I did have it here, and I've lost the page now. Hang on. Um, yeah, so one was in one was in the 50s, and, and the other was in the 70s, I think. Um, so the animated one was in the 70s. So, I mean, it's it's been around a while. They've done a lot. Um, so first, first adapted in 1967, 10 episodes, 30 minutes each. Um, and then adapted for television again, 1979, in animated specials. So by the people who did um, Charlie Brown Christmas and the other Peanut specials. So the caliber behind it again. I'm going to have to try and track that down. I was going to say I'm up for watching that. Um, I'm also up for watching a 10-part adaptation as well because if it's I'm honest... It's not currently of, available on home release. Uh, one, of the, one of the first things... Um, I, I, I sat down and watched this, by the way, in the course of about two days. Like it's six episodes, mm, yeah, half an hour each. Yeah. Like, it's three I, I, hours. I, I did. I did half of it yesterday, half of it today. Yeah, yeah. I, bl- I blitzed them, and I fully intended to. I knew I was going to watch the whole thing. You know, maybe we'll yeah. look at, at uh, adaptations of subsequent books, but we're you know we're treating this this episode as you know the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe it, being its own show, yeah. thing, its own show. So I sat down and watched the whole thing. Um, and in in finishing watching it, one of the first things I thought was like, I mean, it is a fairly it is a fairly faithful adaptation. Um, yeah. But but adaptation it is. And I'm not going to knock it for that. You know, we often say across all of our shows on the network that you don't have to adapt anything slavishly, you know, that you can make allowances to keep your story ticking over. But yeah, this does feel like it's very condensed. Uh, Although weirdly, it feels like it's very condensed. And then at times it feels like it's dragging its feet. Um, But but I could definitely see how getting more meat on the bones in a 10 part run makes more sense and you know one of the things i thought at the end of this was you know what my overriding feeling coming out of this was it's really left me hungry for a fresh adaptation like can you imagine yes. what disney plus could do with this or netflix well, or it's interesting you say that because netflix bought the rights to all seven books in oh 2018 god can you imagine with with the budget they have you know with like that, as... with that mo- well i mean the money they were throwing at tv shows whether they still will now i don't know but um I mean, yeah. Can you imagine what they could do with this? I mean, six one-hour episodes. There you go. Like, do it that yeah. way. Like, yeah, what they could do would be amazing, and and it would probably feel like this did to us as children. That's yeah. the thing, you know, because because as children, when I say you know it might as well have been Star Wars, it was because it was just such a fucking mad thing to see on the TV. And to yeah. put this into context, you know, especially for for some of our sort of international listeners out there, like. British TV in in the 70s and 80s and and even the early 90s like 
our comedy was good and that was about it like our yeah. drama and our production values especially was fucking it, yeah, dog shit wasn't it it yeah. was just get a, just just literally put out as much as you can get you know uh, quality uh, quantity over quality just get as much as you can out um because i mean we were comp- if you, i mean certainly in the 80s we were competing for airtime with australian soaps and american mm-hmm. american dramas and american soaps and even american comedies and so getting anything on tv and going, right okay actually we're going to commit what is effectively primetime Sunday real estate to a BBC backed drama that didn't happen, or if it did, what you got was shit. Yeah, and and unfortunately, like for me anyway, and I'm aware this is stupid, all right, because I'm aware the BBC are, are putting out some really high quality drama now. Um, but unfortunately, that is something I've a bias that I've carried with me my entire life. Like if oh, I yeah, see absolutely. BBC in front of something, I just instantly go, "Oh no, it's gonna be shit." It's gonna be shit. And it, it I, I find the same. And actually, it's it's quite interesting because over the last probably just in the run up to COVID and then through it and out the other side, there were a lot not, like police dramas and police procedurals were were a massive thing. They they still are you know, on both sides of the Atlantic. And you could have interchanged. There was a show. Um, I think Adrian Lester was in a show on BBC and on ITV at the same time. And yeah. I watched the one on ITV and not the one on BBC. And from the trailers, it was the same fucking show. Yeah, I, I just... But I automatically chose one over the other. There's something about BBC drama that just... The, the kid inside of me is just, you know, it's Pavlovian to just go, oh, no, this is going to be, be absolute shit. horseshit. Like, yeah. it's, you know, and, and, and not just drama, like... <laughs> pretty much anything from bbc that isn't comedy or animated i just oh no fuck this off just you know it's, it's why i haven't seen half of the popular shows at the moment because i honestly i just can't bring myself to sit down and watch peaky blinders and i'm sure it's brilliant i'm yeah. sure it is i'm the same same with the fucking line of duty and stuff like that i'm sure yeah it's, it's right up my street i just can't yeah. fucking do it no it, and like it, I've, I've, I've even got to a point where i've queued them up on iplayer i've started watching the first episode and then i've gone oh yeah but you know there's dishes need doing yeah, and, and oh, that's, the kids going to be home soon. I got to fucking, I got to go and sort, not sort of food out. Yeah, and that's my fault. Okay, I'm aware of how stupid <laughs> that is, listeners. But that's a. But you're not, you're, you're not on your own with, with that. No, I, I. But I've carried that with me, and I can't do anything about it now at this late stage of my life. But this, this broke that mold, you know. Mm. Um, and regardless of, I, we haven't even got into it. Like we haven't even started <laughs> talking about the show yet. We're talking about the, the impact it had on us, which, which I think says a lot of, yeah. of how huge it was at the time. But regardless of what we may have thought about it now coming back to it um and i'm being very careful there not to not to bury the lead but regardless of what we may feel now i think it had such a huge impact in that regard that i don't think i can ever take that away from it i I, like there are very few shows i can say that about you know when we went back and we keep bringing it up but when we went back early days and watched the raccoons yeah and we were like oh no it's shit like it was just sh- and, and as much as I loved it as a kid, I was now able as an adult to look at it and go, oh, it's shit. And, and I'm disappointed. But now my my attitude towards the raccoons is that it's shit. Um, whereas I don't think I can ever feel that way about this show because it was such a huge like this was event TV for me as a child. Yeah. This was probably the first event TV show that I yeah, can same. remember. Um, so, yeah, so it, so it had a huge, huge impact on me. So diving into it then, um, I mean, the, the thing that we can't get away from here, we've already briefly talked about 
sort of how it, it seems quite pedestrian at times. And I yeah. feel like a lot of that is down to its production value, unfortunately, because they can't yeah. afford to put high yeah. adventure on and, screen. And I think, to be fair to them, this probably would have been quite, no, this would have been high budget for, for BBC oh. to put on. No, we, yeah, we, we're gonna we're gonna talk about you know some of the some of the wonkier parts of it, I'm yeah. sure, and we're gonna talk about low budget. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind that this, you know, comparatively for the time mm. and for the fact it was a family show on BBC on a Sunday afternoon, like the budget for this thing was astronomical oh, in the eighties. There 80s. was some bank behind this. There really was. Like it, like you know, we just didn't get this kind of money spent on yeah. British shows. You know, as I say, even Doctor Who wouldn't have had this kind of money spent on it back then. No. You know, this was this was American money. You know, yeah. this <laughs> it, it, and and it looks ridiculous now when I feel like, you know, anybody that's coming to it for the first time is going to have to get past that hurdle of this looks shit. Yeah. And I think I had the same does. I had the same sort of effect, that same sort of initial response. So I put it on and the first thing, obviously, the credits, it's a Game of Thrones credits. We said they don't last four fucking years each episode. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I mean, there was that, but then you get into it, and yeah, it looks the bit on the bit on the platform is not too bad, the, the train station, because there's lots of movement in it, and you can kind of forgive it. But then as soon as you get into anything in the woods, anything in Narnia itself, it looks like dog shit. The lighting's crap because yeah. it, it's like stage lighting. There are just shadows everywhere. Well, I mean, it is, isn't it? You know, it, it they're very carefully composed scenes. There was a lot of location filming, I, I happen to know, but. You know, you you shoot in in four by three here. There's not a lot of camera movement because that's expensive. Yeah. So the reason it it looks and feels stagey is because it is yeah. staged. It's it's a teleplay essentially. Um, and, and again, this was this was the style of the time to go yeah. all Grandpa Simpson about it. You know, this was the style at the time. This was what TV looked like. So. Yeah. We have to we have to kind of meet it meet it on its own yeah. terms there as we've done with many many shows and there's a huge part of me that's willing to do that with the effects as well yeah you know I mean, as I'm I, looking at them I'm going yeah but it was 1988 well like, that's the thing and that's what I say I mean it it the the lighting on it, that's the one thing I did notice especially when they're in um it I think when you get about halfway through when they're in the beaver house and stuff like that you know that it's very definitely right we've got a spot here. Yeah, and everybody's running around, and you get all the shadows dancing around in the back, you know, behind it, and you get to the point that you know what? Okay, that's what it is. It doesn't detract from the story. It doesn't detract from the way it's put together. Yes, okay, it looks. If you're comp to compare it to anything that comes now, it looks shonky as hell, but it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Um, and as you say, you, know, you you do kind of you do kind of approach it from you know, where it's come from, and you kind of, but probably by the end of that first episode, you kind of get used to it anyway. So you know, you you, you st it stops standing out. You definitely dial into it, um, and, and, and I don't even think it takes to the end of the first episode. I think I dialed into it after about five minutes, and then maybe, you know, when the beavers first show up, there's another yeah. little bit of, oh, yeah, because, of course, the beavers would be would be CGI today, you know, they'd yes, be mo-capped, exactly. yeah. um, whereas they are people in relatively bad beaver, beaver costumes, let's be yeah. honest. And again, it looks like, you know, if you were doing a stage adaption of this, yes. it looks like... Again, even today, you probably wouldn't have people in costumes like that today. They'd either be higher quality or now you would probably use puppetry yeah. um, on stage even. But, you know, at the time, this is what you would do. And so, again, when they first show up, you go, ooh. Yeah. And then then you dial in again immediately. Aslan, exactly the same. Yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, to be fair, I think Aslan is where all the money for the uh, the props went. 
he's he's absolutely where all the money for the props went. He is well. Let's get on to him now. Then we we're going to get on to him eventually, and I, I yeah. thought we might do it a bit later on. But we can circle back around and, and pick up the narrative things yeah. and things like that. The the overriding memory I have of this show and the thing that that brought me into this show was Aslan. Mm. Like, and and I remember as a kid, even though he doesn't show up until episodes five and six. I remember as a kid seeing him everywhere on the adverts. Like yes. he, he was, he was the poster child as he should be. Okay. Um, and I just remember him blowing my fucking mind as a kid. Yeah. Like I've always, you know, on this show and over on Mario as well, we, I, I constantly seem to find myself talking about my love of puppetry. I'm absolutely useless at it. It's not something mm. I can do, but I have great respect um, for, for puppeteers and in general, for live effects for puppets and for animatronics and for animated figures a huge huge love for them and you know again at this time like in 1988 i just remember aslan seeming so fucking real and so yes. sophisticated yeah um and one of the one of the mandela effect things that i had with this i mentioned to you last week before if you say chronicles of narnia to me before i think of the show i actually think of an episode of blue peter where mm. aslan appeared and they were kind of breaking down how Aslan works and stuff like that and talking to you. But in my head, I could remember them interviewing Aslan. Now, I've dug this clip out. It's on YouTube, listeners. Yeah. If, you, if you search for um, Aslan Blue Peter, you'll find it. Now, for an eight-year-old child, I remember them interviewing Aslan. What they actually do is put a microphone to his asshole <laughs> and, <laughs> and talk to the people inside Aslan. <laughs> Um, but I, th I think again, I there's there's a there's a conditioning thing there as well because obviously if you think of like the Muppets, that you, whenever they they're on anything, you're not allowed to you're not allowed to reference the puppeteer, you're not allowed to talk to the puppeteer. You interview Kermit as Kermit and Piggy yes. as Piggy, like you no, know, and so the, the there's always going to be that thing of well. Why wouldn't they do that with Aslan? Because... Ah, but but this is the thing. They weren't interviewing Aslan. They yeah. literally were interviewing the puppetry team. The pup, yeah. They even had the guy controlling the animatronic head off camera, and he's he's making Aslan move, but he's talking. Yeah. So, so I completely misremembered that, and it, yeah. it, it, it was very interesting um, to watch that now because, as I said, as a kid, seeing Aslan blew me away. Yeah. The first time, and I, I was excited watching this whole thing. Like I knew he wasn't in it till the end because I could remember that. But yeah. all the way through, I was just like, "Oh, when's Aslan coming? When's fucking Aslan? I can't wait to see Aslan because he's fucking amazing." And I was expecting this to be what it was for me as a kid. You know, I was expecting this absolutely. Even with all the low budget stuff we had, I was expecting yeah. this absolutely fucking mind blowing animatronic. <laughs> he's fucking shit. Yeah, he's so bad. Like he can't even. I think what I say so bad, like his eyes are very good. And actually the puppetry is very good. He moves very convincingly. He really like in terms yeah. of the way he walks, his head movements. The problem is they haven't articulated the jaw. Yeah. So he's talking and his mouth barely moves. Yeah. You know, like we talk about, you know, famously, we talk about Aslan as being a fucking Jesus figure and this, this all being a, a Christian parable and stuff like that. But it's quite ironic to me that he's kind of when watching it back now, he's less Jesus and more Stephen Hawking. He's like, <laughs> because, <laughs> because there just seems to be this like a complete disconnect between the voice that comes out of his mouth 
yeah. and his actual movements. He's he's it, it's like he's got fucking locked in syndrome or something. Yeah, uh, and I think the problem that, as well is that I one thing I I did spot. There's a shot, I think it's where the um where the girls are following him when he's in in the night when he's going off to um to meet the white witch. And they, they kind of shoot over his shoulder, so you want to, you want to see the girls sort of behind him in the distance, and it's almost like the, whoever's in, wh- however they're controlling the the movement of the leg, and uh, the shoulder doesn't quite move properly, so it's like it pops out, and it just looks yeah. like he's almost almost sort of limping. And I don't know whether that's because it's broken or whether the, because we're so close to it, you can't help but see it sort of kicking out. But that was that was something as well. So thinking, hang on, that's not doesn't quite look right. But I mean, from so coming, I mean, thinking from, from your point of, of of remembering it, like. This was my first exposure to this type of thing. I'd seen cartoons, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, and I'd seen things in live action. I'd seen puppetry and stuff like that. None of it looked real. Yeah. Whereas this was the first thing that, and this, this totally. is what I said. Look, this was a fucking talking lion. It yes, wasn't a lion totally. puppet. It wasn't a fucking cartoon. This was a talking fucking lion on yeah, my totally. table. Totally. I want to see that. Yeah. And coming into it this time, again, I was I was the same. I was, I was thinking, right, I remember it being amazing, but it's probably going to be crap. Because it was the eighties and they didn't have the technology and all the rest. And looking at how shit other stuff had looked, I was thinking, oh, well, this isn't going to go the way I want it to go. And yeah, jaw aside, it was no, it was more than passable. I think jaw aside, I, I think it was actually very good and probably as good as I remember. Um, there is, I'm going to go off on it again, listeners. So strap yourselves in. There, there is just something unique and magical about practical effects and and mm-hmm. regardless of how cheap they are they don't age in the same way that cgi does yeah. if aslan was very early cgi he would look a lot more shit than just yes. being a, a puppet now with a mouth that doesn't move because aside from that mouth again once once your brain slips into gear and it does it took a bit longer but once your brain yeah. slips into gear and I kind of justified it to myself as he's projecting his voice. All right. That's a, that's because, you know, he's, he's almost speaking telepathically, you know, he's got a voice of God thing going on because mm. he's fucking Aslan. Right. So he doesn't he, like, he, he technically he probably speaks lion, doesn't he? Cause you hear him raw. So he probably yeah. can't actually articulate those sounds. Anyway, that's how I explained it to myself. That doesn't account for talking beavers and fawns and shit like that, but that's yeah. how I, so I explained Aslan. Right. And that worked for me. And once I'd made that connect, as I say, with the rest of it, when you look at it, the puppetry is actually really good. You mentioned the legs being slightly out of sync. Um, I've no doubt they had, um, for close-ups, they probably had shoulder pieces, you know, Muppet yeah. style on, on sticks. But I know the majority of the movement for Aslan was was literally pantomime horse. It was two people. It was one in front, one behind. Right. Um, and, you know, you then had um, a puppeteer off camera with a, with a control box doing the facial expressions. So... You know, when you see him move, like that comes over as well. These these are people who, you know, much like when you you can tell the difference between good animation and bad animation by how well it actually reflects intricacies. That's yeah. always, you know, when we're talking about animated shows, it's not about how smooth the movement looks. It's about how well observed they are and how if you believe that this drawing is alive. And it's yeah. the same thing with a puppet. You know, you look at what they're doing with Aslan and yeah broken jaw side like he definitely feels like a fucking lion like he's really really good and it's such an interesting choice as well you know and and hats off to them like as you say they must have blown the whole budget on him Mm. but every other animal in this show is either drawn on with cell animation by the way which all looks fucking amazing still yeah i'd forgotten about that and and when i when i saw it i was like fucking hell and again really impressed with it 
you know, again, like if it was CGI, it would look fucking terrible. But there's yeah. genuine artistry in that, and it's very well animated. So those things move convincingly. But they didn't do that with him, nor did they make him an actor in a fucking lion suit. Yes. Well, I guess you could argue he technically is, but you know, yeah, he's but he's a he's lion. Not, he's, he's not, not... a cowardly lion from Wizard of Oz, is he? And he's not like the beavers or anything else. He's it's it's a proper lion. Yeah, and you know. <laughs> The problem is that that then does make Mr. and Mrs. Beaver look shit because does, they're yeah. not beavers. And um, it's it's funny as well because if you think I can't remember his name, but the um does the wolf who's head of the, the white witch's guard. Um, I always called him even as a kid. Um, <laughs> but like when he he was done in the same way as the beavers, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know whether it was the coloring was slightly different or the way just the way the way he was projected, but. That seemed a bit more passable because it just looked a bit more menacing and a bit more authentic, I guess. Whereas the beavers just kind of looked like people in blackface and fur coats. They, they did, but he he has got a cock for a nose. Well, yeah. you can't you, you can't look away from that. I think maybe that's partly. Well, I don't know. I, 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 I'm thinking out loud here, listeners. But I wonder if that's partly because we are more conditioned to seeing Wolfman makeup than we are yeah, Beaverman makeup. So I do wonder whether, again, this is, you know, a culturally accepted thing, you know, the Lon Chaney of it all. You may go, oh, yeah, all right, it's bad Wolfman makeup, whatever. Um, you know, and then, of course, when we come to the right, here we go, Mark, you've got to correct me again. Every time we talk about uh, a particular group in society, I, I can never remember how we do this. Um, you know what I'm asking about. How do, how do we approach it again? Um, and I, and I apologize for my lack of knowledge on, on differently height abled people. Um, <laughs> short asses? No, we can't say that. No, um, no, no. Like, like it's, genuinely, it's, it's, it's little people, correct... isn't it? Is, is, it is, little is, people? Because I thought little people was wrong. I don't know because it keeps fucking changing. You I can't call the just sports anymore. No, I know you can't do that. But which you know, I finally <laughs> learned the difference between the two. But anyway, um, so is it is it a little person? I, th- I thought it was little. I thought it was little people still. And and, and apologies to anybody out there. You Absolutely, know, the, yeah. This, this the, is entirely I, our ignorance. This I, is I, our I, ignorance, and please call us out on it because it's the only way we learn. I'm genuinely trying not to offend anybody here, so I want to make sure I'm using the right term. So if it's little, we'll put our fucking flag in the sand and use the term little people then, all right? Um, see, to me, that sounds quite derogatory, but what do it's, I know? It's kind I'm, of condescending, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not a little person, so what What, what do I know? Everyone's um, amazing. <laughs> you, you're, like, you're the complete opposite, so... Um, but anyway... I'm not, the, little, the, I'm not a person. That sounds about right. <laughs> but the, the little people as well, like, they're very... I feel like they're very sensitive with, with the makeup there, and, and that's beneficial for two reasons. One, it doesn't degrade them. Um, and two, it it doesn't look shit then, you know, yeah. they just accept the fact that these are humans who are of a different size. And actually, we don't need to do anything. We don't need to give them weird bumpy heads or pointy ears or what. They're just yeah. humans of a different size and we'll put them in a costume. So that all works really well. Hmm. Um, where it falls down, like I can make the I can definitely make the jump for the fact that it's cheap and these costumes look kind of bad and you know it had to be shot in a certain way and aslan's mouth doesn't move Mm. i can make all of those leaps of faith yeah what i can't get past and i've tried and i've tried every sympathetic argument i can have with myself but these performances are fucking awful they're so 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 bad yeah um aslan aside (laughs) They're so bad. And I know the majority of the cast is children, 
or yeah. the leads of children anyway. But come on, child actors don't have to be bad, do they? No, and I think actually, to be fair, I think the the two boys weren't as bad as the two girls because the two girls looked far older than they were supposed to be. Now that's interesting because I think the complete opposite. So I I I took I, I I really didn't take the two girls. I thought they were they were both far older than they were supposed to be, and I think that the the one who played Lucy. Um, particularly she, because she had more to do than the one who played Susan, and I can't remember their names. I'm I'm gonna have to look them up later on. But since the one who played Lucy, I thought she, they they got they they aged her wrong, so then her character didn't match, and because her character didn't match, her performance I thought was absolutely fucking woeful. The boys are just so fucking wooden, though. Well, yeah, <laughs> the girls I mean, are but, trying. You yeah, know. I mean the the one who played Edmund I thought was fucking terrible. He was the worst he, actor in the piece. And yeah. I'm sorry if you're listening. Like, bear in mind, I'm sure you're a very accomplished performer now. If any of these people are actually ever get to hear this, like, I'm sure they've all gone on to much bigger and better things. We have to remember their children. But yeah, Jesus Christ, he's bad. And and that's you know that's not solely on him either. There's a director involved here as well. Who's, yeah, I mean to be fair, know, the one who played Edmund, his name's Jonathan Scott. He gave up acting in 1993 after he did an episode of The Bill. So he reached the the, the, the the dizzy heights of the bill, and then kind of went, "Oh fuck it, I'm done." That's, that's yeah. my career highlight. That's my peak. I mean, I'm I, done. I guess that's the thing with child actors as well, isn't it? Like, you know, you're not always necessarily going to carry that interest through. No, um, that's right. As I said, sure a lot of them have gone on to bigger and better things, but they are children. I don't know what everyone else's excuse is. <laughs> no, <laughs> because really, like, oh, Jesus, we we've got to talk about got to talk about the witch, haven't we? Yeah. Um, Oh my fucking god! Do you remember the fucking the we- the woman you had on um, the BBC Wales news bulletin used to the weather? Was it Sean Lloyd? Yes. Yeah. She reminded me of her because she every every movement was so fucking over the top and exaggerated and she's completely fucking redundant. Yeah, I mean it's a choice, isn't it? I'll yeah. say that for her. Like she's doing what she's doing deliberately. Yeah. And. We're saying it's bad now. We have to remember its target audience because as a child, I was fucking terrified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is exactly and, and the I could, point. And I could see that this time as well. Like, yes. I wouldn't have, didn't have the same effect on me this time, but I could, I could see that going, yeah, I can see why as a, as a child, you're going to see that, especially the way she interacts with Edmund from probably the third episode on when he does, when he turns up and he hasn't got the other kids when with she him. Flips. And she, she flips on him. At that point, you're thinking, actually, this woman's she's fucking horrible. She's like mm. the dinner lady that nobody likes. Yeah. So and all of a sudden, it's like, fuck yeah, I can see how that how that works. So as adults, you know, we're criticizing it, but I guess you got you got to come at, come at this again and meet it on its own terms. Of like that performance is intended to be a villain for children, to be yeah. a pantomime villain. Yeah. And not only did she do that successfully, she did it so successfully that it had a lasting effect on me because after Aslan, she's what I remember. Mm. Um, you know, and and specifically part of the reason I'd even forgotten, and I don't know how I managed to forget this, but I'd even forgotten the whole Father Christmas thing, right? Because yeah, I forgot about that too. The reason this to me feels Christmassy is her first showing up on the sled in the middle of snow when Mr. Tumnus yeah. says, Oh, it's, it's, it's always winter, but never Christmas that yeah. I remember. Yeah. Right. And that's where I get the Christmas connection. Um, but then of course, father Christmas shows up later on and gives them weapons. Um, <laughs> as all good Santas do. As all good Santas do. Yeah. Um, so, so I guess she was actually very successful. So perhaps it feels a little bit harsh to say, that I, it's a... I, maybe I can see I can see where you're coming from though. I mean, because if you were to look at it by now, if you were to judge that uh, now and looking at it, if that were to come out today, you'd be thinking, "What the fuck is that?" 
yeah. Why but, why why is A she doing that and B why is anybody letting her do that and C why is anybody not gone to her and the editor gone, I'm sorry, you've got to do that again. That's fucking awful. Yeah. It's very, very pantomime. It's very stage. Um yeah. so you know, there's fault on both sides there again. You know, she's she's definitely made some choices. Yeah. Um, but the director's not gone yeah, over. No, and nobody's said, reined her in. Hold on a minute here. <laughs> that was really good, but let's maybe get like 99% less, you know, <laughs> let's just and, and let's actually, dial that back. I mean, in all fairness, again, it comes to, there are a lot of small actions that she does, a lot of, a lot of small movements, a lot of nuanced movements, whereby, again, in your in, interactions with Edmund and with the um, the, the guy that, it, he's, on, he's on the sled with, I can't remember his name, the guy with the beard and the red, um, the red hat, who's not Santa. Um, the little person. Yeah. Um, like when she's going, you know, when she's doing these diatribes and all the stuff, and she's and she's done, she's doing a little theatrical sides and pitching to stores and all the rest of it. That's you, you get that and think right, okay. But when when she's actually interacting with people, it's a lot. There's a lot more menace in it, which is mm. where the character needs to be. And I think the problem you have is that because you have these theatrical sides, which are so overplayed and so over the top and so not managed, that you miss out on the stuff that actually makes it fucking terrifying. But when the fact that you no. Know, Edmund says he's hungry and she completely loses her shit with him. I do that on a daily basis with my kids. So I, I completely empathize with her. Yeah. You know, it's like, I've just fed you and now you want more. Yeah. I think there's a much more interesting, ta- you, you're right. There's a much more interesting take on the character where she's, she's more unhinged than she is just a flat out villain, you yeah. know, um, because ultimately, you know, she is after power. We, we know that she wants to cling on to power as lands a threat. The children are a threat. Yeah. You know, so this this all comes from a desire to retain power. And, you know, there's a there's a political element that comes with that as well. You yeah. know, it's it's not just about tyranny. It's about her ability to flip on a dime, as we say, as she does with Edmund. You know, so there is a much more interesting take in the character. It's not what's required for a three hour children's show adaptation. And I think yeah. actually, you know, perhaps this isn't what's required either. And it wouldn't be today, but it's certainly worked on us. You know, looking back at it now, you may as well have painted a green and called a grot bags. Yes. Like, it, because that's the level of performance we're getting. You know, she she permanently has that kind of fucking drag queen shocked gopher look. Yes. So, you know, you can't really feel the, the, the fear, if you like, and you can't take her seriously. And that's a huge problem. Yeah. Um, but again, you've got to circle back and go, it worked so well. Yeah. That, you know, here we are, you know, like, what, 35 years later? Yeah. Still remembering it before we, we spun this around. So, yeah, I guess it was successful, just not as successful as, as Aslan or even Mr. Tumnus, to be fair. Um, yeah. Because James McAvoy ain't never going to be Mr. Tumnus to me. No. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. He's just not. You know, and, and that's because this performance was, and again, I, I don't think it was necessarily a great performance. It's one of the better ones, I think, in the in yeah. the show. Um, but it, that was something that stuck with me. That Even though he's barely in it, he's in like yeah. episode one and episode six. And that's, and he's only in episode six for a couple of seconds. Um, and then away he goes. But the, the fawn and Mr. Tumnus was something that, that stuck with me. So yeah. I remember all of these things and I don't remember them because I've read of them and I don't remember them because I've seen them in a Hollywood adaptation. I remember them because I saw them here as an eight-year-old child approaching yeah. Christmas, super excited anyway. Yeah. And it's just forged neural pathways. Like that's the only way I can I can describe this. It has forged actual neural pathways for me 
where I'm able to go, I know what that is, that belongs there, and I can, yeah. you know, and maybe that's where the Mandela effect creeps in as well, because I'm kind of reaching back into all of this stuff. So it's a tremendously important show. The question is whether it, it's got any value today and whether it's still good. And unfortunately for me, when watching it, you know, because of all of these things, because it's, and it, and it is a very faithful adaptation, honestly, it is. And I think a lot of the dialogue is is very, very faithful as well. Yeah. Um, and I think, unfortunately, that's that kind of dates it as well. And it that, does that kind date of makes it. it feel, especially, I mean, it would have felt dated 35 years ago. Um, so it's very jolly it hockey sticks, isn't it? Yeah. And to bring yeah. it forward, I mean, I, I know it's said in, in 1940, so, you know, and you know, there are evacuees and all the rest of it, but it's it's got that very you know, famous five vibe to it. It definitely does. However, and, you know, what's the alternative? I mean, I guess it's the 80s, so it's not so bad, but like we talked about the Netflix adaptation, like yeah. if you were to keep it in Britain and you were to set that in modern day now, let's say the kids are in, I don't know, London somewhere yeah. and they go through the wardrobe, like, What's the alternative? They're all walking around being like, yo, where's land blood? What's happening in it, mate? Like, no, fuck off. I, yeah. I'll take jolly hockey sticks. And I, th- I think you'd have to. I think you'd have to You'd have to do a period piece with it because there, there's not... To to remove the setup, there's not a natural setup because this the whole thing... No, apart from the whole Jesus allegory of it, this whole thing is that they're, they're fish out of water. They've been removed from their home. They've been put in this completely alien environment. And they're coping with it. You know, they're all coping with it differently. Going to um, the professor's house anyway, and this big fucking mansion in the country, and all the rest of it. So, there's they're all having a difficult time anyway. So this is something for them to bond over. This is something whereby actually, it's new to all of them. They're all experiencing it the same way for the same, you know, at the same time. And I don't think you've got anything that's going to incite that sort of movement. If you would, if you try and modernize it, you've not got any reason to do that unless you displace them from fucking Kiev or somewhere like that. In which case, you've got you've got the you'd have the the bigger issue of cultural differences as well yeah you're right there's definitely the, the the war element of it there's also you know like refugees in in that sense then as in child refugees yeah. just wouldn't work in the same way anymore even if no. they were to happen these children just wouldn't be completely cut off from everything with a horrible housemaid looking after them in the middle of nowhere as you yeah. say there's that element of displacement to begin with that encourages them to retreat into Narnia, to retreat into the wardrobe. Yeah. So yeah, you wouldn't have that by contemporizing it. You're right. Um, but yeah, but then there's a middle ground somewhere, isn't there? Yeah, I think you so. Um, it, again, look at the look at the Hollywood adaption. That's still slightly jolly hockey sticks, but not to this level. Or mm. even you know, take it forward to the kind of language that we see deployed in things like Harry Potter, where yeah. it's it's very British, but it's not. It's almost RP, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. not really Queen's English, it's, but it's got this kind of RP sound to it where nothing's really regionalised. And it's yeah, it's that kind of transatlantic accent, I guess, yeah. is what you'd go for. Um, so you could do that, but yeah, they don't. So a lot of the dialogue does feel quite stunted. Mm. Um, can't help but burst out laughing every time I think of the line, always wipe your sword. Uh, <laughs> Child. Um, I don't remember it being delivered in that way, but no, I, I don't either. Stop watching and walk away, <laughs> particularly <laughs> bearing in mind what we were watching. You know, to get from you haven't wiped your sword to always remember to wipe your sword <laughs> had me in absolute bits. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, you know, the the dialogue is is functional. 
nobody's necessarily you know talking in exposition which is nice and unusual for a children's program yeah i think you, you do get elements of it with mr tumnus and with mr beaver um when you but first that's meet function them. in the script yeah though, so, you, so you, that's you, different they are they are moving things along so you, you are getting a little bit from them but actually we do we do find a lot of it i think the probably the clunkiest one you get is when they when you've got edmund talking to himself Yes. That's probably that's probably the worst example you get of it, whereby, all right, we can't think of how to convey this. We 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 kind of in a corner. We need to get this across, but we don't know how to do it without saying, "Oh, by the way, this is going on." Um, and I think that's probably quite. That's probably the way they get around a lot of it is having his you know his inner monologue or where he some has an out of body experience and talks to himself in a in a in a puddle. Um, so yeah, I mean that's probably the closest we come to to having exposition, I guess. Yeah, but even then, it it. I think it i think it's fine i think those sections with him talking to himself like yeah they it's obvious that they're there to serve a purpose but i think yeah. they do serve that purpose yeah i think so and i think you get you come back to it later on so when um he's back in the sled with her having left the castle and now they're going off to the um off to the stone and all the rest of it and he's some did you really think she was going to make you king what sort of fucking idiot are you mm. just without that bit because obviously it's a kid's program but you know there's something i've done how stupid are you you know you really thought she was going to make you king and again, it, it's it's just enough to drive that. You, you get enough character information out of it. You know where the story. We know where he is in the story now, but it's not going. Oh, by the way, I don't. I don't think she's she's what she said is true. I don't think she's on the up and up. Well, fucking duh. You know, yeah. and I think it's it's handled deftly enough to get away with it. I think. Yes, I I, I would agree. Um, so I, I think the narrative that we have is fine, and I think it conveys. It tells the story. What it doesn't do because of the performances and because it's so condensed and because it mm. is on occasion a little bit ham-fisted, what it doesn't really do is encourage buy-in from me as a viewer. Yeah. I, I very much feel like all the way through this, like I watched all three hours and I, I'll be honest, I did enjoy all three mm. hours, but I was watching it because I, more because I'm curious than because I was invested this time. Yeah, definitely. You know, it was, I watched it out of sheer curiosity. Yeah. Like, and, look uh, at this uh, fucking thing that existed in the 80s that cost more than just about anything else on TV, probably, at the time. Yeah. And look at what it looks like now. Yeah. You and know, I think the, I, the thing for me was that um, that you mentioned earlier, the pacing was was difficult. And some that middle part of probably, say, four episodes, I don't think it happened in every episode, certainly in, definitely in three, possibly, probably in four, that dragged from about 13 to 21 minutes, that middle section. There's a lot of time in the in the Beaver's house. Yeah. A hell of a lot of time in the and, Beaver's house that doesn't need to be spent yeah. in the Beaver's and, house. And it's not just the Beaver's house. It's when in the following episode where they're hiding from the you know, they're hiding from the Queen in that fucking damn hideout thing, whatever it is. And it always seems to come at the same point in every episode. There's there's a lull, and it's yeah. a definite lull which probably lasts about six or seven minutes. And if it was two or three minutes, and then they moved on to something else, you could get away with it. Mm. But it's just the pacing seems to drop off and it's you can't say it's an accident because it happens in every one. Yeah. And it's almost as if they're going, right, we, we're going to use this this middle bit. We're going to use this six or seven minutes just to bring everything back down, trying, trying to center everything, trying to focus everything and remind everybody what's going on in the episode. So when we have our last couple of minutes, when we have you know, we build up to our cliffhanger, which we, you know, we have in the end of every episode, when we build up to that, People are getting ramped up for again. They've got time to breathe in the middle. The problem is you need a minute to breathe. You don't need seven because yeah. it just drags the whole episode down. And I think that when you look at, you know, and the previous version had six, one hour or 10, one hour things, whatever it was, or 10, 30 minutes. When, when they had that much more time, 
you think, well, if, if they didn't need to do that, why would we need to do it here? Because everything else feels quite tight. I say it is quite, quite compacted. I think sometimes bits of the episode seem to be seem to jump around quite quickly. Mm-hmm. But then you've got this whole segment in the middle where you're just going, oh, fuck me, this bit again. And, and, and it really does feel like more than anything else, it feels like a budgetary constraint. It feels like, you know, we've only got enough money for so much Aslan. Yeah. And we've only got enough money for one big fight at the end. And even then, we have to approach it very, very carefully. Yeah. So we need and, to fill this screen. And time. actually, we, do, we don't have an ad break in the middle. It's not ITV. So we, we, we're yeah. delivering a half-hour show. We need to deliver a half-hour show. Yeah. And, you know, even when we get to that fight at the end, then with it being the only fight, you know, it's... Yeah. Again, it's intelligently cut, is what I would say. But yes. now, you know, we have we have the the knowledge of of cinematic language now even you know like obviously we're trained in this but even the casual viewer now has enough cinematic language to look at what they're doing there and go yeah yeah that's because he didn't have enough money you know the the repeated close-up shots of like minotaurs swinging axes towards the screen yeah you know the it's 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 he-man punching the screen isn't it i can can reuse that time and time and time and time again it it is you know people screaming into camera you know it and it's not helped by the compact frame of it all. I know this was the early 80s, or sorry, the late 80s, and, you know, 16 by 9 TVs weren't a thing yet. Yeah. You know, but if this just could have been shot in a wider aspect ratio, it would have felt so much bigger and so much more expensive than it yes. already did. Uh, but, of course, that requires more people on screen, which they didn't have. Yeah. And I think to be fair, for what they for what they did have, they used it very well. And I think that by I say by not trying to um, make puppets or animatronics of the other monsters and the other things they were fighting by 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 painting them on painting them on themselves, that worked very well as well because that gave them a bit more freedom. They could actually do a bit more with that. So when you've got um, Peter and Edmund actually swinging swords at these things that are flying around them, mm-hmm. obviously there's fuck all there, but it's not. It doesn't look like they just know. I mean, if we think back to when we did uh, fucking. Um, the film we did the other week in the theme park on Mario. Ginger Clown. That's the one. Thank you. I couldn't remember what it was called. That's how memorable Ginger Clown is, listeners, for those of you that don't listen to Better Than Mario. <laughs> um, so we, there was a scene in there where they're running from something. They don't know what it is. And it, it, in, in, the, in the final cut, it's bats. But in, in an outtake, it's a velociraptor, because why the fuck not? And it kind of, you know, there's always a potential to do it for it to look like that. There's always a potential for it to look really fucking ham-fisted and really um, unintentionally comical. Mm-hmm. But here, actually, you know, again, give credit, no, give credit to the um, the kid actors, and give credit to the people who painted the fucking things on the on the um, on the cell as well. It uh, it looks as though they're actually no, there's something going on there. That and cell animation is fucking good. Yeah, good. and that that worked really well. So I think that you've got to give them credit for what what they did with the with the fights. And and yes, they were limited on budget. Yes, they were limited on space and limited on people and the rest of it. But what what they actually produced, I don't think you'd have got Ooh. any better. Uh, without throwing a shit ton of money at it. I mean, they did throw a shit ton of money at it, didn't they? But it was still proportionate to what they had. I mean, you're looking at some movie budgets then, rather than than 80s TV budgets. What we haven't talked about yet, and I can't believe we haven't talked about it yet, because it was actually probably the thing that that stood out to me the most, and something I'm now actually going to go and seek out as well, um, is the fucking score is incredible. And that is very expensive because it's yes. fully orchestrated as well. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's in fucking credible. Like again, for the for the level that this is for a family Sunday afternoon TV show, 
yeah. to be fully orchestrated like it's a fucking Hollywood blockbuster movie makes this thing sound massive. It that does. music does a lot of heavy lifting. Yeah, and I mean, we, we've said this before. I think when when you've got a good slash great slash amazing score, it's harder to notice it than when you've got a dog shit one or an absent one altogether. You notice yes. it more when it's wrong. Yes. And like we and no, we've said this and we've said the same with with our film as well. That there are certain things that if you get them right, nobody notices. If you get them wrong, they stand out like yeah. you know, like, like like nobody's business. And actually, you get to that point where you think, right that fucking you know, the fucking soundscape or the score or whatever it's going to be and that was why i mean so i grabbed it towards the lighting earlier on as well talking about sort of the shadows of the stage with the stage nature of the lighting and stuff like that because you notice it because it's not what you expect to see on tv and that's not necessarily to say it's bad but it's not what you're expecting so it stands out mm. but the soundscape and the score and even like them the snow effects and stuff like that that no there's nothing you can fault about them no no there really isn't but but that score especially like I think I, I, I totally agree with everything you said, but I think the score here is actually so good that you do notice it because it's so much better than, and I, and I don't mean this is, you know, I'm not like bringing something else down to big this up, but it's so much better than the visuals we're being presented with mm, and yeah. the performances that we're getting that my brain just instantly just goes and grabs hold of that score like i need to see if i can actually track a recording of that down that's bound to be um, on somewhere but I, th I, think, I think that's probably the musician in you as well it probably is i mean i i i have that in my you know in my personality i am a musician so i'm a classically trained musician at that so i will gravitate towards that yeah um but it's it's fucking wonderful. Like I didn't, I couldn't remember it at all. Mm. Like I I didn't remember the theme. I couldn't remember anything else. But it's absolutely fucking wonderful to the point where you know characters even have themes. When I say this is scored like a movie, like Aslan has a fucking theme. Yeah, you know when Aslan's coming because you hear his music. Like yeah. you know the the queen has a, sorry the queen the witch has a theme. You know when she's coming because the whole fucking key changes like yeah. and, and we go into like it's so well scored it's it's fucking incredible that score i definitely need to find it yeah. the, the theme tune itself is 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 unremarkable in as much as it's not like a catchy fucking 80s yeah. rock song you know that's that screams the fucking title of the show but it's so fitting and it's got this kind of gentle orchestral lilt and it's a very yeah. nice piece of music like it's it's fucking wonderful the score like if we were if we were reviewing this properly, like if we were giving marks out of ten, like the score gets it an instant six, and then everything else just yeah, you know drops into place. Yeah, on the like it it instantly elevates it above mediocre because the score is so fucking good. Yeah. And I don't think I've seen any of the show certainly that we've watched, and it, it, there's no other show that I can remember kids show that's, that's this competent with its fucking score. Probably the closest would be um, Batman animated series and Gargoyles are the closest things I can think yeah. of that come to this. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Um, wow. Like it's fucking mind blowing that score. Yeah. Um, so, so that's good. Um, sadly, the rest of the show is kind of, I, I don't want to say it's not good because I, I think it was, is the thing. I think it was good. And I think it just, technically hasn't aged well i think thematically yeah. it's aged better than a lot of things that we've looked at i think yes, it's, definitely. Still, it's still relevant i think it still has a lot to say there's the whole christian parable of it in there if you want that you know and it's to be fair i mean this is a, probably going down a sidetrack here now because i was just summing up but 
this is kind of a misconception with Narnia as well. I think, you know, it, it, it's constantly banged on about that. It's like, oh, it's this obvious Christian retelling and Aslan is Jesus and the kids are the fucking Israelites. I'm sorry, it. did they not watch the fucking third Matrix film? Right. Well, this is the thing. I don't think it's any more heavy handed than anything like that. I don't think at any point anything actually gets rammed down your throat. This is no. stuff that's just it's clearly there and it's clearly into what well, we know it's intentional. It's on record as being intentional, but it's there if you want it and you want that reading. If you don't, it's also just a really fucking good children's adventure yeah, story. I, I was, I was going to say that if you know, if you, and, and it, it, this comes, no, this is quite timely because obviously the um, they've, they've announced from the, the census of 2021 today that the that the UK no, less than half the UK identifies as Christian um, for the first time in recorded history. Well, boo fucking who. Um, um, but yeah, you know, if if that's what you're looking for, then yeah, that's that's in here. And if you if you if you want to if you want to read this in a particular, yes, of course it's in there, as it was in the original text, as it's been in the other adaptations as well, including the the Hollywood adaptation. If you want that, that's fine. But if you show this to your average eight year old, I mean, I I was watching this yesterday. I and number two asked if you know, he he saw like two minutes. Oh, can I watch it? And I was like, well, you can, but I'm not starting again. I'm like mm. halfway through the third episode, so you can fucking wait. Um, but I will watch it with you because you know, I, because I, I I really want to see what the two of them make of it and they've both expressed interest in watching it so I'm, I'm happy to do that. Um, but if you put your average age year old in front of this and go right okay what's that about? They ain't be talking about fucking Jesus at the end of it. No, they're not. They're not. Absolutely not. Um, I was much much older before I was able to draw those parallels. Uh, yeah. And even then, had somebody not said to me, "Are you aware?" That this is a Christian text, I'll be like, oh yeah, okay, and I can yeah. see it now. Yeah. Um, and it's it's obvious when you know it's there, it is obvious. Um, but it, like I say, it's it's not it's not rammed down your throat. There is there is definitely subtext there if you want it. Yeah. I mean, call it subtext. It's it's almost it's text. text, okay. <laughs> but it's it's there if you want it, and if you don't, you can you can leave it there. Yeah. Um, so. Don't even know how I got on to that. I went down a, I, I went down a fucking rabbit hole somewhere. But I was, yeah. What, what I was saying in summation is that actually, I think it was good. I think it was a good show, and and I yeah. think all of that stuff is still. That's where I was going. All of that stuff is still relevant today. I yes. think the story is still relevant today. You know, yeah. it's it's timeless because it's the fucking Bible in in essence. Okay, so you know whatever you think of that text as well, it's clearly yeah. stood the test of time. Um, I just think that it's it's technically aged very poorly, and it's time for it's time for a reboot. It's time for a refresh. Yeah. It's think... time to tell this story again. Yeah. And I don't think this will. I it, it's interesting. Prior to rewatching it, having watched the Hollywood one a few times, actually, I, I think it's actually very good. The first one, at least, mm. um, I would because of the way I remembered this, and because of the effect it had on me, I would argue hammer and tongs that this is absolutely the best version of this story there has ever been i don't think the book was pretty good but you know what i mean the ad <laughs> the adaptation okay sorry um, now though you know i know in my heart of hearts it's it's going to be one of the worst I, I i fail to see how if you adapted it again unless you went seriously wrong it would be worse than this and that's not because this is bad it's just because it's so of its time and yeah. so outdated technically and I, I think as aged as i said i think it's the aging is, is the problem and because of the differences in it as well so because they weren't consistent in the way they presented the creatures and they you know so i know i mean i say i say no 
Aslan was was very much the the thing they spunked all the money on, and that's rightly so because um, it's it's not the beaver, the witch, and the wardrobe, is it? It's the money went on that's Aslan a, that's, for a reason. That's a whole different story. I'm, I you mean, know what? I think I've seen that. The beaver, the witch, and the wardrobe. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, there's a, there's a reason all the money went on on producing Aslan and making Aslan the way, as opposed to just putting everybody else in costumes. But I think that adds to the fact that it does, it's never going to look as good. Whereas by the time you got to the, the adaptation, for, uh, I'm sure it's 2010, but that sort of time when there's like a shorter. By the time you got to that, it was a case of, right, well, our CG now looks fucking good. If we put a CG lion on screen, it's going it's to look like a lion. If we make a beaver, if we make a fawn, if we make a wolf, whatever we make, it's going to be obvious what it is without us having, without us having to really hit her over the head. And I think that because of that, because of the difference between Aslan and everything else, that kind of shows it up. Yes. So then yeah, because Aslan looks good, everything else looks that much shitter by design. And on top of that, then, I said the technology wasn't there, so it, no, it looks dated. The um, the effects are dated. The lighting on it is piss poor because that's the way it's been set up and all the rest of it. All these things, they were good. At, they, no, they were so much better than anything we had then. But we, we, we've, no, we've come through, and I think every generation will say the same, is that the TV from their childhood, or the films of their childhood, are not as good technically as they are in adulthood because of the advancements in technology and all the rest of it. And I think that that's probably the biggest thing that lets this down is that it just hasn't hasn't been dragged forward. I mean, you look at the you look at other things that would be on at this sort of time. And yes, you mentioned Doctor Who earlier on. Doctor Who had a break of oh, fuck fifteen years. So by the time it came back, they lent into a lot of the of the the um, the visuals and a lot of the um, the style of it intentionally to try and bring that forward as well but actually the technology was a lot better so they could get away with doing a lot more than uh, with, with digital effects and they could practical effects at the time and it's just it's, it almost spoils looking back at things to, to an extent yeah I, th- I think there's an element as well of you know yeah with with things like doctor who for instance and you know even going all the way back to some of the older live action shows that we watch we go all the way back to say batman 66 then mm. um the reason those things stand the test of time, you know, one specifically for me, the other not so much, but there are lots of people that, that love older episodes of Doctor Who and stuff as well. You know, um, the reason those things stand the, te- the test of time is because they take a consistent approach. OK, yeah. so it's like you said, it's not like there's one thing that they spunked all of the money on so that then everything else looks shoddy. You know, mm-hmm. everything is on a comparative level. So then the quality of the actual show or its connection with you or what's good about it will shine out in Batman yeah. 66, for instance, the comedy just comes through in every frame and it yeah. feels like a high, you know, that, that's when people criticize that we're not doing a show on Batman 66. We've got that if you want to, but when people criticize that it's misunderstanding rather yeah. than it, like, it's not meant to be a fucking action show. It's meant no. to be a sitcom. Yeah. Like that's, and it does that very well. And this, you know, the problem with this is it's got all of the right elements there to be a kind of, you know, low budget children's adventure show. But then you go and drop that score in and you drop Aslan in and yeah. everything else just feels like it's not quite up to snuff. And so yeah. I think if they'd have picked a style and been consistent, if everybody was dressed up in costumes, I think, you know, that it doesn't make it a better show, but it makes it more consistent. And I certainly think if they'd have stuck with the animation on the film cells, yeah, I think that was probably the smart way to go. Yeah. It definitely ages it in terms of that was a thing we did before we had CGI, but it yeah. doesn't age in the same way that CGI does because it's, no. 
it's got that look and that artistry to it whereas cgi again the technology lets it down yes. early cgi is let down by technology not through you know poor artistry or anything like yeah, that true. you know those those animators are still very skilled and very good at their jobs and when you know you look at the way pixar has evolved you can see that happening and you can see those people developing their skills along with the technology yeah. but unfortunately this is kind of the same thing with live action is just being left behind because it came at the cusp of such a technological jump as well you know yeah. you're talking end of 80s moving into early 90s you, you know four or five years later than this james cameron's starting to fuck around with cgi in a big bad way yes and then everything changes you know so it's it's kind of stuck in that time capsule and unfortunately i think it's let down by it and i think yeah. if you weren't there as we were when this was relevant i don't think anybody really can can come to this fresh today and think oh yeah that was good that's mm. that's better than the hollywood one yeah you know i, and, I don't, I don't think, think anybody can do that yeah i think if, if, if you were looking at it you looked at the hollywood version you'd be looking at the same right okay well that's two hours or just under two hours and i get the whole story plus actually better performances it looks better it feels more engaging you don't have these big fucking drops every you know every every half hour mm -hmm. and yeah i don't think anybody's gonna be choosing this or no, anybody without the sort of the nostalgia um hit to it nobody's going to be choosing this over, over the film no i don't think so either. I, I, I think that's a shame in a way because there is there is a lot that there's a lot about this that i, I did like i mean for all, for all we said about yes there were problems with it um but there were bits of this i i, I came to in this episode uh, on this rewatch i went yeah, you know what? I, I'll take that. I'm I'm okay with that. There are some things I fucking hated. This. I thought I thought Lucy was far too old, um, and as a result, her her the, the things her character did, the way her character reacted to things, didn't fit. Mm. No, it it felt, and I can't remember how old she's supposed to be in the book, but it felt that like that character should be about six or seven, where clearly the actress was about twelve. Yeah, I mean, there were there were things I didn't like. There were things I did like, but on the whole, I. It's it, it's left me mostly positive, I think, yes. on the whole. I didn't have a bad time with it. I just feel like, as I say, I was watching it more out of curiosity than because I really, really engaged with it. You yeah. know, in the way that recently I engaged with, say, Samurai Pizza Cats or Gargoyles or Kim Possible or any of those other shows that we went back to yeah. that I hadn't spent masses of time with and then just just rediscovered. You know, I, I think I haven't spent a lot of, well, I haven't spent any time with this since originally watching it in this form. Yeah. But there wasn't enough there to grab my attention again and hook me back in. Yeah. Um, we will, I have no doubt, look at look at the further Chronicles. Yeah. Um, I don't see why we wouldn't. Um, and Just maybe give it a while. Yeah. Well, it will be interesting to see how technology develops and how the budget develops. You yeah. know, this... This thing did gangbusters, right? This was huge. Yeah. So I've no doubt budgets did creep up. Like it's not like this was an expensive show that flopped. So it'd be interesting to watch those other ones as well and just see if there's yeah. any marked improvement. Um, but but for now, like I didn't I didn't not enjoy it. I had a good time with it yeah. mostly, but I, I don't think I could ever in good in, in good faith recommend it to somebody that wasn't obsessed with it as a child. Because yeah. I don't think they're going to get anything out of it coming to it new. No, I think for me, I mean, I said both the kids expressed interest in watching it, having seen bits of it while I've been watching it the last two days. Um, Tori made a comment earlier about wanting to, about sort of picking it up at some point and going through it as well. So I dare say I will watch it again. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if somebody's look, if somebody comes to me and asks for you know, what what version of it they should watch, I'm not going to recommend the older ones because I can't find them, so I don't know what they're like. But I would say, well, go, go pick up the film; it's as good as anything you're going to see. 
Um, yeah. And it's you know, you're not kind of left there going, why the fuck is she doing that? Why the fuck are her teeth so big? Because um, <laughs> I, I went this whole fucking episode <laughs> well, without think, having a dig at her teeth, and you just—it's well, <laughs> it's the fact that I think it's, it's the shape of her face. But she's all because she's always so trying to half smile, even when she's, even when she's um, trying to be. You no, know, she's pretending she's scared and so that. that it's just her, the shape. I don't know if it's the shape of her face, but it just looks like they're slightly too. Like she, because she's growing into her teeth effectively, and it's just like, oh, <laughs> And it was just one of those growing could... into her teeth. This yeah. is cruel. You're you're insulting children now. Like, oh, God, she's it's... older than me. <laughs> well, now she's not maybe. Anymore. But you're insulting the child. Not. Uh, let's see. This is fucking cruel now. Yeah, I went this whole episode without picking on any children whatsoever, and you've got us right to the end and just laid in on it. I child. haven't even mentioned the fucking ginger one yet. Well, I mean, that's you know, ginger's a fair game. Everybody knows that. Um, <laughs> um, I think. I think for me, and it's it's, I think the the way they've cast her and the way they've directed her, I think that's that's the biggest letdown for me because she doesn't feel like that she's she doesn't feel like that character. Um, that she yeah she's so she's eleven. Oh, she's sorry, she's thirteen when she's doing this. And I think the character's supposed to be about so eight. You know, it's yeah. Certainly, she's, she's certainly supposed to be a lot younger than, than the person playing her. So, it's it is difficult. And, and obviously, you no, know, it was a job that she she got. She did, and obviously, you no, know, she she did it the best she could. But I, I think that I think that some of the characterizations were wrong. I think some of the choices they made in casting were wrong, which didn't help it either, because you've got then fairly awkward performances. It's probably the nicest way I can put it. Yeah, awkward is a is a politically correct way of putting it. Um, they're shit. They're, <laughs> they're fucking these awful. Performances are fucking shit. Um, and like I say, I, d- I don't want to blame the kids for that. I don't think you can make the excuse that they're kids because you no, know, they're 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 old enough. Still cast them, and they they still carrying out a professional job um but i still think that there's a better performance in them i just don't think it was brought out um yeah i think you're right there and you know all, all joking aside like they, those teeth are very fucking distracting <laughs> <laughs> they really are so it wasn't just me no no it wasn't but i deliberately didn't <laughs> want to mention it because i think that's cruel and <laughs> you know like we're a lot of things, but we're not cruel. Often, <laughs> often, at least not to people that haven't done anything wrong. Maybe sometimes. Um, yeah, we'll leave that one there. Yeah, I mean, she's a child. We're picking on an actual child, and that's wrong. She's she's older than us. It's fine. She is older than us. She's got seven years on me at least, but still, yeah, she's, she's forty-seven. Yeah, there you go. So there's there's a middle-aged woman out there crying somewhere now. Mark, I hope you're happy. <laughs> nah, it's about time that happened. <laughs> Anyway, let's move on. Yes, um, yeah. Before we dig ourselves any further into this fucking hole, let's yeah, let let's let's wrap this up. All in all, a generally positive experience, I think. And I will go back and you know watch the others. Yeah. And if anything, it's left me wanting to dig out the the DVD I've got somewhere of the of the Hollywood adaptation and yeah. see what that's doing. If I haven't charity shopped it already, because I, I got rid of a lot of DVDs. I It'll can't be see on this. fucking Netflix or something. Yeah. Like you can get There's, anything now. Nothing's yeah, not available in front of mine, so I can't. Uh, can't see if it's uh, if I've got it or not. I can't, I'm sure I've got it. Yeah. Um, the but, the, the Lion Ocean Water Bender. I don't think I don't, I don't think I've got the other ones. I don't think I've got Prince Caspian. Caspian wasn't very good. Um, did, did they go on to make the um, any of the others after Prince did Caspian? They did or Dawn Treader. I think they may have done Dawn Treader as well. Yeah. yeah. I don't know that I ever saw it, but I think they did Dawn Treader. Yeah, as well. I, I, I'm the same. I think they did. I don't remember seeing it. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, it was 
it was good if you liked it as a child. If you yeah. listen to this as somebody who was who was our age, who was a child in the 80s, who was watching this and who has those fond memories that we had, then definitely revisit it. It'll give you the feels, definitely. Like, it's it's still there. There, there is a nostalgia hit from it. Yeah. It's just very, very, very dated. Yes. Very dated um, yeah. in, in all of the worst ways. Well, I say all of the worst ways. It's not homophobic, racist, hateful. Some of the other things that some of the other shows that we've watched have been, it's none of that. Culturally, yeah. it's fine. It's just technically very, very dated. And that's very hard to watch in yeah. 2022. You know? Yeah. I, I, I'm the same. I, I came out of it. So I, 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 I bought the DVDs fucking weeks ago when we, when we first started talking about doing this. I found them online. I ordered them at 10 o'clock on the Tuesday night after we recorded and they were here by like Wednesday lunchtime. It was fucking you know, ridiculous. And they stayed in the cellophane until yesterday. Been on my shelf in the fucking wrapper for a good six, eight weeks. Um, so yeah, so that was fine. So I put it on yesterday, went through three, and it was only because I had to do, I had some work to do last night. I that I didn't just blitz them all last night. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I didn't come out of it going, oh fucking hell, that was awful. No, that was abysmal. Why the fuck did I used to know? Why why did I think it was going to be anything different? I came out of it going, you know what? Yes, it looks like dog shit because it's fucking forty years old, thirty five years old. And there's only so much forgiveness you will get out of that when you think, well, fuck, I you know you look at what we can do now. You know, you get your phone out of your pocket and you can film something that looks a million times better. But it's just because of the technology that's available and, and, and sort of the, the budgets and things like that. So you've got to give it a pass on that. You, it can't help the way it looks. No, it can't. As I said, we're and, going to meet it on its own on its yeah. own level there. Yeah. And I think that for me, I've I've tried to do that with a lot of elements of it. Yes, the performances are shit, but they're kids. Um, yes, the lighting shit, but again, that comes down to the budget and the way they've shot it and things like that. So I'm, I, I came out of this going, you know what? Regardless of if if I if I was seeing it for the first time now, I'd be thinking, what the fucking hell was this? Yeah. But having watched it 34, 35 years ago and absolutely loved it because it had a talking fucking lion in it, I came out of this thinking, you know what? That's what I remembered it being. That's what I wanted it to be this time, and it was. Wait till you see the Wizard of Oz. It'll blow your fucking mind. Um... <laughs> You like talking lions? <laughs> wow! But this one, this one was an actual fucking lion. This one, well, I mean, it was a, it was an Dude, actual it's... lion made out of yak hair, but yak hair and car seat covers. Fucking hey! Lupia taught me that. <laughs> Aslan, yeah. like they, that's not a joke, listeners. Aslan is made from yak hair and car seat covers. There you go. Yeah, I don't think any car seats were harmed in the making of it, though. Uh, probably not. Um... <laughs> And they probably weren't actual lion car seat covers either. But anyway, anyway, we're down another rabbit hole. Give it a look if you enjoyed it as a kid. Yes. If you didn't, this has got to be a swerve. It really has. And and yeah. this is the first time I've been that this torn. I think on a show we've watched, I've generally been able to come down with a foot either side. Of yeah. it. Like either definitely go and give it a watch or definitely don't. But I just can't with this. I think it's so situational. Yeah, I think, I think if you it, don't have the baggage with it, you're not going to enjoy it. Definitely, you're not. going to come out. You're going to come out of the first episode going, "Yeah, now I'm done." I, yeah, I don't think you make it past the first episode if you haven't got the baggage like we like have because you don't know what's coming. Yeah, like for example, there are two members of our D and D group who won't have seen this because they haven't seen fucking anything. And you put this in front of them, and I don't think they get to the end of the first episode. No, no, definitely not, definitely not. Um, so yeah, if if you've got the baggage, it's eight quid. Fucking hell, yeah, it's worth yeah. eight quid. Yeah, exactly. Easily. Well, not even eight quid. It's two quid, really, in it, all things considered, because you yeah. had all four shows on on one box set. So two quid, yeah. 
absolutely worth that. What is two stupid doesn't even buy you a bag of chips. No, right? so it's not so, even a cup of coffee. So fuck it. Yeah. So <laughs> why did I go to bag of chips I don't instead know. of a cup of coffee? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Since when is the go-to not beer? <laughs> because beer now is ridiculously fucking expensive. Everything's ridiculously fucking expensive. Like, a bag of yeah. chips is ridiculously expensive. <laughs> yes, it is. Everything's expensive. But like two quid doesn't buy you any of those things, is no. what we're saying. But it will buy you this. Well, actually, no, it won't, because to buy it on its own was seven fucking quid. Yeah, but if you're smart, you know, if you're smart, be smart like Mark, right? <laughs> buy it. Said nobody ever. <laughs> <laughs> buy the box set with all four of them. If you don't want to watch the other three, it still only costs you two quid because you own them, yeah, right? Exactly. It's probably the best three hours you can have out of two quid. I can't think no, of anything else. That you could one alone do. as well. Hey, look, I can think of plenty of other things you could do with two quid that might give you more fun, but they aren't going to last three hours. I know that, like, they're not sexual because I'm not that bargain basement. But there are <laughs> there are things you can do with two quid that you can have more enjoyment out of. For instance, go to an arcade. Two quid will get you probably ten minutes worth of fun. Um, not that much. <laughs> depends how good you are, I suppose. Again, not sexual. Uh, <laughs> anyway, let's... <laughs> probably time to wrap this up. Yeah, this um, is taking a turn. Yeah, <laughs> for a change. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I think for for me, I would really be interested in what people's um, recollections are, because I mean, we we both had the same um, response to it in the first place. I really enjoyed this. You know, this was event TV. This was something that you know, 35, 34, 35 years later, we're still you know, we're still thinking of in a particular way. And having now watched it, yes, okay, there are issues with it. And I think that actually, yes, some of the issues are you, you can only forgive them to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. But no, it's 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 not gonna harm me to watch. I say it's three hours, but some of the stuff we've watched, I mean, see Game of Moans. No, there are fucking dozens of hours of content whereby you look at it, what the fuck is that about? This isn't gonna offend you in that way. Um no. if anything, if you don't have the baggage, you'll find it boring, I think. And you will look at it and go, well, that's shit mm. because of when it came from and all the rest of it. But um, yeah, I'd love to know what people think. Um, as always, get in touch on Twitter at SMPDPod. Uh, you can go to our website, ddpodcast.net. We can also pick up our previous uh, episodes and other shows as well um, on Facebook and YouTube with the Dublin Podcast Network. So leave some message on there. Wherever you get your podcast from, subscribe, leave a message, we back to you as best we can. Until next time. Always remember to wipe your sword. Mm.